Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show, where we pour our filthy bong water on the curb in honor of our fallen medicinal marijuana laws. One for me and one for my dead stonies. Uh, but first, introductions are in order. I'm Gavin. Aaron up in the his house. <laughs> and Anna. <laughs> and you can contact us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com or visit our website, which is actually... Uh, shock of shocks been updated recently punditocracy.net please do visit we'd appreciate it leave some comments it's a blog you like it it's interactive entertainment but yes uh, in news that would surely galvanize pot smokers everywhere if they could just remember what it was they were supposed to be angry about the supreme court last week bogarted the national spleef and ruled that the federal government could block and prosecute the growing of medicinal marijuana in 11 states, which had legalized such therapeutic toking. And, uh, of course, this is, I think, very pertinent to Lawrence News because we are a hippie freak fest commune. And yeah, there, there are going to be some hippies that are going to be up in arms about this. If they're, you know, if you think they're angry at the government now. They're going to hold up those signs just even harder. Just wait. <laughs> Hold although, them up. Although, again, I, I think they would be uh, very upset and very angered if they weren't really, really stoned. But they'll be honking. <laughs> That's right. They'll be honking for medicinal they'll, marijuana. They'll be organized, damn it, on street corners oh, with scraggly beards. A sad day for pot smokers everywhere. <laughs> they don't realize it, though. Probably not. But beyond. There might, there might be a couple hippies out there that, you know, follow the news and actually heard about this, but... Um, that's true. Probably most of them aren't. You know, the guys at High Times seem to be fairly well organized. They have lawyers and everything. So, yeah, there, there are. There, it's not an oxymoron to say organized hippies. No, they probably only smoke maybe two or three joints a day. <laughs> Keep it low. Right. But, you know, uh, all kidding aside, there, there was a serious issue here, and this wasn't uh, a uh, general pot smoking ruling. This is about strictly about medicinal marijuana and the 11 states. Uh, including California, which had uh, produced the lawsuit, which made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, medicinal marijuana, uh, prescribed by doctors, regulated, uh, assigned to treat. Not doctors, drug dealers. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Pharmacists. Yes. Pharmacists. <laughs> yes. Illegal drug dealers. <laughs> Basically, yes. Uh, pharmacists saying that... Uh, 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 the the more liberal ones saying that well uh, if we can't get birth control you can't get uh, pot either uh, so so how does that work you just go up to the you know pharmacy drive through and you're just like hey pharmacist hook me up I mean just come out with like a big dime a sack bushel of, yes <laughs> my question is Sam's Mart weed how am I supposed to console myself over the fact that I've become pregnant without birth control if I can't smoke some medicinal marijuana um, I think it's tragic crack. They haven't gotten to medicinal crack yet. <laughs> Whitney Houston is grateful. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, this ruling was very narrowly about medicinal marijuana and not even specifically about medicinal marijuana. It was about uh, federal rights versus state rights, uh, specifically the Senate and the House's, uh, Congress's ability to regulate interstate commerce. And uh, under that very broad term, uh, medicinal marijuana fell under that. And so in a 6-3 ruling, the Supreme Court decided that the federal government had jurisdiction over these laws. And uh, in a weird way, this can be interpreted as a more liberal ruling 
because uh, it kind of upholds the federal government's tradition of intervening on cases of national importance, like civil rights, uh, like uh, uh, human rights, like civil rights. And uh, the two hyper-conservatives, the ones that were supposed to be strict constitutional constructionists, Thomas and Scalia, were actually split on this. And you'd think they'd both fall under the... uh, the, the rubric of states' rights because they are supposedly ideological conservatives. Uh, Thomas actually stuck to his guns and said that the states had the right to do whatever they wanted on this issue. However, Scalia kind of proving that he is uh, just a conservative, conservative ideologue, a conservative ideological whore, if you will, basically fluctuating his positions based on whatever uh, the Republican Party and the conservative right wing feel is more important at the time, uh, the Constitution or uh, whatever, you know, uh, conservative <laughs> pot boiler is just <laughs> is stirring up the rabble. But I don't know, Aaron, what do you think? Well, I think this is certainly um, very tragic for a lot of the people out there that are very, very sick. Um, Medicinal marijuana is mostly prescribed to cancer patients who are going through chemotherapy. And what marijuana does is it helps with a lot of the nausea that um, that accompanies um, chemotherapy. And so for a lot of people out there that are suffering uh, with the side effects of cancer treatments, medicinal marijuana has been a fabulous way for them to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that... Um, one of the reasons why the Supreme Court has ruled the way that they have is is that there's a lot of people that believe that um, legalizing medicinal marijuana is the first step into legalizing marijuana uh, just for the general population. Heaven forbid. Yeah, heaven forbid. I mean, <laughs> well, I guess I guess we could talk about that in a second. But, but, uh, but yeah, you do you do raise a good point that um, medicinal marijuana is essentially employing the munchies. <laughs> in a medically constructive way because the people who are go- undergoing chemotherapy, they have very reduced appetites. And uh, the only thing that can get them to keep food down and actually raise their appetites, weed, the munchies. It's, it's I mean, weed. And I mean, if I don't understand why you would ban this if it's helping people who are in pain. I think it's pretty I clear. I just don't understand. The conservatives are pro-cancer. That's they're right. for tobacco. They're against stem cells. They're against medicinal marijuana. Mm-hmm. Go cancer. I guess I never really <laughs> thought of it that way. I, 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 I never money off of cancer. I didn't realize somehow. there was such a powerful cancer lobby. <laughs> such a power. It's growing such rapidly. A, yeah, oh, <laughs> it's <such> metastasizing. <laughs> the tumor constituency is uh, very pulsating. But uh, yes, in essence, the Supreme Court in this ruling said that they, well, at least the majority, except for Scalia, have said that they don't necessarily oppose medicinal marijuana. Uh, in fact, they said that if, you know, voters really did want medicinal marijuana, they should lobby their congressmen and on a national level, pass a, uh, a more permissive uh, constitutional measure, a, a more permissive federal measure, which would not run into these sort of constitutional obstacles of federal rights uh, versus state rights. And so write all your congressmen, hippies. If you <laughs> use the good stationery, yes, not the stuff with the bong water. On it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, use the good hemp stationery. It's durable, sturdier. Uh, but uh, and this this issue, of course, bespeaks to the larger national issue of drugs in America and the definition of what is a narcotic. 
whereas you know uh, people like Pfizer and Merck can market uh, cannabis alternatives and market opiate alternatives, which basically have the same effects but just don't work as well and have a huge gigantic markup and is unaffordable to many Americans, especially the 40 million plus without health insurance. Especially the hippies that probably have crappy jobs. <laughs> yes, I, re- I highly doubt uh, uh, delivery drivers at Yellow Sub have full medical coverage. You never know. But I don't know. I you know, uh, Email us, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Uh, but yes, it just seems strange to me that uh, in a country that is so commerce-driven and a government that is so consumed with raising tax revenue... Why isn't pot legal? Well, that, you can tax the shit out of it. You'd yeah. ra- like, I mean, the corporations, like the tobacco industry, uh, since they're essentially dying here in the United States, if they switch to weed... I've heard that they trademarked all the, uh, the various terms. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the urban legend. I, I don't like know if it's actually legends. true. Yeah. I'm going to say it's true. Yes. That's, that's my opinion. It's true. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if uh, conservative you know talk radio can make shit up, so can liberal talk radio. <laughs> so we're going to make some shit up right now. Putting cats in the microwave is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You heard mm-hmm. it here first. If you do enough LSD, you can fly. <laughs> you heard it here first on Punditocracy. Do uh, you know this from personal uh, experience? <laughs> yes, He's sir. flying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually on the ceiling at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I find it very interesting. I mean, I guess it's more the libertarian side of me coming out here. Um, I just believe that people are going to do what they want to do, and the government really doesn't have the right to tell you that you can't do something with your body, i.e. drugs. Or sodomy. Um, or sodomy. Or drug-induced sodomy. Or drug-induced <laughs> Probably most sodomy is <laughs> drug-induced sodomy, <laughs> I would think, but, yeah, who really knows? Um, but, I, you know, people are going to smoke marijuana regardless of whether it's legal or illegal. Uh, legalizing marijuana, one, there is there's the tax revenue. Uh, you could literally put 100% tax on a pack of marijuana cigarettes, I'm assuming that's probably how they would do it, yeah. uh, you could probably put even a higher tax. You could probably put 150% tax, and people will pay Gladly. it. Gladly. Um, you can, theoretically, you could pay off the national deficit with the amount of tax revenue that legalizing marijuana um, would produce. Or they'd um, find a way to spend it all. Yeah. Or they'd find a way to spend yeah, it Yeah, they'd all. find a way to funnel that into tax cuts for the rich. Or they'd just invade another country. <laughs> yes, for, um, for the rich uh, marijuana reserves in right. Iraq's sand. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Stockpiles. Marijuana would also be a lot safer uh, if the government, I mean, if it was legalized. Yes, no more ditchweed. The government would regulate it, um, so the marijuana that people would be smoking would be, uh, believe it or not, healthier. Um, there wouldn't be a chance of it being mixed with another. <laughs> yeah. more potent. Well, I, I mean, that happens. I mean, oh, no, no, I know. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody who's uh, smoked marijuana that's been laced with formaldehyde, but it's really not a pretty mm. sight. I, I can't say. I won't name any names, but uh, yeah, it's uh, human embalming I, <laughs> while I, you're still alive. <laughs> I can't say I've seen anybody in that sort of state, but I'll take but, your word. But back it. to that point, yes, uh, if the government did step in and the FDA were regulating doobage, you wouldn't have this problem. Right. You wouldn't yeah. have this problem of uh, uh, embalming fluid in uh, the national weed supply. Also, not to mention that you would um, cut down the prison population. You would... Um, but how would our small-time offenders learn valuable skills like... Uh, from rapists and murderers <laughs> <laughs> who are serving similar <laughs> sentences. Two people who have uh, a gram of pot on <laughs> I just see a lot of benefits from legalizing marijuana, and I don't really 
see. Yeah, I know. You know uh, having it illegal, I, I just don't see the purpose of it. And again, people are going to smoke marijuana. People are going to drink. People are going to do hard drugs regardless. Not and to say I think we should that we just have to. I mean, personally, yeah. I don't smoke marijuana. No, and, if, and if marijuana was legalized, I wouldn't feel the compulsion to go out and buy marijuana cigarettes and be high all the time. And it seems like a lot of people that are against the legalization of marijuana seem to kind of make that argument. They're like, oh, my God. If the slippery mar- slope. Exactly. If marijuana is, is legal in this country. What's then- next? Black tar heroin in our grade schools? Exactly. Every single it's kid. every healthier single t- than school lunch. Oh, yeah. Fiestata pizzas. I don't know if Ooh. you ever ate those. Ooh. That's got to be. That's worse than crack. Yeah. It's got to be worse than Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I'd rather probably shoot up crystal meth into my penis rather than uh, rely on the public school food program. I think I think that the health benefits are, are leveled out. That's there. a whole different story. Though. <laughs> uh, and if there was a way that I could freebase a Fiesta pizza. You and would. believe me, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you those, have. Those things are addictive. But uh, I saw an interesting film Anna and I did. Uh, Layer Cake is playing at Liberty Hall right now. It's all about the uh, drug trade in Britain. And uh, the opening scenes had a very interesting point. A drug dealer is talking about how, mark my words, within our lifetimes, the corporations and the governments are going to figure out that they could be making so much money off of legalizing narcotics, not just marijuana, but crack and cocaine. If they just legalize it, uh, eventually the forces of a free market economy are going to prevail, just like prohibition was disastrous and that was eventually overturned eventually i think that greed will triumph over the supposed moral morality in this case and that drugs will be legal i'm not sure if i really agree with that i think that it shouldn't be a mystery to any corporation out there that they can make a buttload of money with the legalization of drugs um i think there's always going to be a moral dilemma when it comes to the legalization of any drug and i'm not I, I really don't believe that. I don't believe that a capitalist system is eventually just going to lead to... It depends on how greedy they get. Yeah. Drug legalization. That's true. And it's also the sort of arbitrary line that's drawn between which drugs are okay, alcohol and tobacco, and which drugs aren't okay, marijuana, crack, heroin, et cetera, well, et cetera. And that brings, up, that brings up a very good point. I mean... Um, it just, de- it just depends on which uh, drugs already have established corporations lobbying for them to keep them legal. Alcohol kills more people per year than marijuana. Tobacco kills more people per year than alcohol, marijuana, heroin, and just about everything else. Do you know that there's, there's never been one documented case of marijuana ever killing anybody well, on its own for medical reasons? Not not what people do while they're on it, but uh, I'm sure there's been plenty of people that have died while they're on marijuana. That's true. Doing you stuffed it right? up your nose, then you couldn't breathe. I'm, I'm sure you could probably argue that uh, more people have died drinking Diet Coke than they have from doing marijuana because they were too jittery while they were driving from the caffeine and like swerving to the oncoming lane or something. But there hasn't been one medical case. And, you know, uh, there isn't much research on this because the federal government refuses to do research on marijuana and the exact ramifications of its health impact. So we may never know. Well, smoking marijuana is not good for you. No, no, no. Smoking anything is good. No, no, no. Except for turkey. (laughs) Inhaling anything into your lungs except for oxygen is not necessarily a good (laughs) move. 
I didn't know if you were trying to go down that route. No, no. I, and I should say, I, I marijuana is extremely bad for you. Oh yeah, and I, I personally, I don't do it. I, in fact, I don't really like recreational drugs. However, I drink like a fish. So that's that's we the conundrum know. there. We all know you that's the like societal uh, paradox there. So yeah, I'm not I'm not lobbying for legalization of narcotics just because you know I want to shoot things directly into my penis. Quit uh, shooting things into your penis. A la Crystal Beth. But, you know, uh, I, I do think that this has become such, like, the war on drugs, the quote-unquote war on drugs, which we will never be able to win and is, in fact, unwinnable. Uh, has, much, like, has, much like the war on terrorism, probably. Exactly. Let's uh, make terrorism legal. And in a way, you could argue that the two are intertwined, especially uh, in South America well, with what we've been doing to the Colombians and we're decimating, uh, you know... But we're uh, we're decimating the uh, the farmers' crops there by our, our war on drugs, and uh, we're raising resentment around the world because we're leaving our big footprints uh, using our own national laws and morality and trying to impose that on international law. So uh, we could, in a way, because of the war on drugs, we could, in fact, be enhancing terrorism. <laughs> well, and a lot of. Terrorist groups use the drug trade openly to gain funds. I mean, I certainly know Al Qaeda is definitely has their hands in the heroin trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we could also <laughs> talk about the failing of the war on drugs in Afghanistan, the country that we supposedly liberated. Uh, or not, not heroin. I'm sorry, opium. Op- yeah, well, opiates. It all comes from poppies. the poppies. The poppies. But we would find a way to decimate these countries. We decimate them for their oil. We decimate <laughs> no. South America for its bananas. We, <laughs> no. we like to decimate. Isn't it hilarious, though, that we went to wars in Central and South America over bananas? They're delicious. And they're a good source <laughs> Back of in the 50s. Maybe if they legalized all drugs in the United States, we'd Maybe be if they legalized bananas. and Bolivia trying <laughs> to get all the coke. Uh, Maybe if they lined the bananas with coke. Mm-hmm. Little kids would be more energetic in school. Or at least use steroids on bananas. Ooh. Giant pumped up produce. <laughs> Although we're kind of already doing I think, that. Yeah. The genetic modification. The bananas have ears. <laughs> Uh, but yes, this uh, Supreme Court ruling is, of course, not the be-all and end-all. Um, for example, one of the most conservative members on the court, uh, Clarence Thomas, was in the dissenting opinion saying that the states had a right to, in fact, legalize it if they wanted to. However, again, you get into that old federalist argument as to exactly where do the checks and balances end, and that's... For example, if a state wants to outlaw homosexuality, do we yeah, say do we say that the state has the right to make homosexuality illegal? Should we not then? Should the federal government then not step in right. because We're that is impressive? If you're a stern believer in states' rights, then you know then move out sure. of Kentucky. But again, that that is kind of like, and that's kind of the silver lining of this decision. And Clarence Thomas, I mean, Come just on. look at Clarence Thomas. <laughs> you know that guy used to smoke marijuana all the time. While watching long younger. dong silver pornos. Something had to make him think it was a good idea to so, put his pubes on a Coke exactly. can. <laughs> I think we all know why Clarence You have to be Thomas. really, really high to find uh, Anita Thomas. Anita, oh. Thomas, I think. Wasn't yeah, it was Anita, Anita Thomas, Thomas, wasn't it? Clarence Cl- Anita Hill. Anita Hill. Anita Hill. Anita Hill. Anita Hill. I, I was so young. In that but back case, to my but, point, though. But yeah. Look at Clarence Thomas. The guy, I'm sure, was a doper for years. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the reason why he decided to, you know, vote against this. So. It's like those uh, old 
William Randolph Hearst instigated uh, propaganda campaigns against marijuana back in the 30s, saying that the, the Negroes are going to get stoned and rape our white women. Oh, reefer, you bring up a great point, Anna. Reefer Madness. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> if, if the Mexican and the uh, African-American population were to get their hands on legal marijuana, they get all high. That's because they're not good white Christians. But that argument is so inherently flawed because... Uh, have you ever seen the sex drive of a stoner? They can barely get off of the couch, let oh, alone can't. hunt down and rape a white woman. Because <laughs> white women, they have powerful thighs. They can run. <laughs> I have heard several stoners complain that they their Johnson just will not work when they're high. But, but yeah, getting back to the conspiracy theories, though, the reason that marijuana is illegal is because William Randolph Hearst didn't want competition in his uh, paper production patents um, he had yes he had old uh, uh wood pulp production for his newspapers i think that's an urban legend it probably is but i like it anyway however you know hemp hemp like it is fact though hemp is a very durable material and the uh paper produced from it is 10 times as replenishable as from trees and this was becoming a challenger to Hearst patents and wood pulp production so he decided in his media monopoly to demonize marijuana and using some of the stooges he had in the house to make up these stories about black men running rampant and uh, befouling the dignity of our white women. And uh, I think our white <laughs> women don't have any dignity. <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> That's true. They're not so great. Look at Sandra Day O'Connor, slut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, again. This, uh, this ruling by the Supreme Court on medicinal marijuana it can be interpreted in many ways. It can be seen as a blow to the legalization of marijuana, or it can be seen as a triumph of federalism in which eventually the uh, United States government might do the right thing. My prediction is, is that the United States government will never legalize marijuana. Mm. Ever. Bold words, my friend. The first woman president will legalize marijuana, which means never. <laughs> <laughs> Although it, it, my prediction is, is that the Supreme Court will probably, uh, much like in the Dred Scott decision and later being overturned by Brown versus Board of Education, uh, I think that the Supreme Court will probably actually reverse this decision in the future and probably try it in an attempt to legalize marijuana in the future. Okay. Now you've convinced me that you are on dope right now. <laughs> if that's really what you believe is going to happen. Oh, no. We're all, we'll all be dead by the time drugs become illegal or legal, depending on the, uh, the winds of the future. The marijuana legalization debate has been going on since at least the 60s. But you know that Canada's about to legalize pot? Well, I, I just heard it in the, in the news today that there is a bill moving through Canadian Parliament that they're well, very now, close to, a, if not legalizing, decriminalizing marijuana. I thought that marijuana was already decriminalized in Canada. No, not completely. It's not. They had yeah. very modest fines for it. It was still illegal, but I think there is now legislation to allow hash bars in Canada. Yeah, good for Canada. So is that I, energy we'll, bars? We'll see. And, you know, that might, in fact, have an influence on our marijuana policy. Yeah, because when Canada legalized gay marriage, we were so quick to jump on that. <laughs> but, no, that's not going to lose us any money. We could potentially be losing money up have to you Canada. Seen, have you seen these these weddings? They're very extravagant. That's true. That's a lot of money on taffeta. And, you know, they say homosexual men make a lot more money. That's true. So. They are. I mean, I can guarantee you they're smarter and better organized than heterosexual men. So At least the ones in this room. Yeah. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> Including Anna. That's true. In theory, there are economic advantages to gay marriage. That's true. Of course, there's a lot of poor 
disgusting trailer trash gay people too, but <laughs> there's a lot of poor, uh, disgusting trailer trash heterosexuals. That's true. Ah, uh, all right. Let's talk about <laughs> this environmental stuff. <laughs> Actually, I think first uh, uh, we should talk about Howard Dean. Oh yes, yes. To get in the to, news again. To get Aaron's uh, hackles up, uh, Howard Dean, my homeboy, my bro, bro. Uh, who is the chairman of the Democratic National Committee and, of course, was a presidential candidate in the 2004 primaries. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you forgot all about that, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I Howard did. Dean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Howard <laughs> Dean. Howie. Oh, Howie. Uh, but Howard Dean has been in the news again. Much like the rest of America, I wasn't paying attention to him in the primaries. <laughs> but... For some reason, the media insists that people should care about what Howard Dean says because what he said is so outrageous. And in a series of speeches recently, he said, uh, oh, let's just go through the laundry list. The first one, uh, he implied that Tom DeLay should go back to Dallas where he can serve jail time. Uh, second comment that got him into hot water was that, uh, oh, 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 yes, uh, speaking about people having to wait in line for up to eight hours, uh, on election day in both Ohio and Florida it's reasonable. because because of shenanigans from uh, Republican controlled uh, state officials managing the elections in those states that uh, Republicans don't understand uh, the needs of working people and in fact most Republican leadership have never earned an honest living a day in their life so that was another gem that's, that's going a little far <laughs> okay, that one conceivably he could have worded better. However, the one that's really gotten him into trouble, and it's the one that I think is the least controversial, and in fact wasn't even meant as an insult, uh, it was just you know stating a fact, was that the Republican Party is mostly made up of white Christians. Really? For some reason, this Lies. is this is driven, and not even the Republican. The Republican Party hasn't even really been pouncing on this that much because they don't even really care what Howard Dean says anymore. However, the cable news outlets, Fox and CNN in particular, just went ape shit over these comments, uh, like pulling out all of their political pundits, like Bill Schneider and Jeff Greenfield, saying, "Oh, foolish comments! He's going to alienate everyone by saying this," even though polls have come out in which self-identified Republicans, up to 90% of them polled, say that, yeah, they're white Christians. Not in this state, surely. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, there is not a single white Christian Republican in the state of Kansas. <laughs> but I, 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 I see this as sort of a double standard in the media in that Republicans can get away with saying the most outlandish shit. Bill Frist can say that, well, he's really not sure. Bill Frist, the Senate leader uh, of the Republican Party, uh, on a talk show saying that he's really not sure if AIDS can be transmitted by tears or saliva. You know, the, the jury's out on that. But media just, media but gives a pass on that's that. That's stupidity. That's no, yeah. he's a doctor. <laughs> but everyone, oh, 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 silly Bill Frist. George Bush can say use any malapropism or, uh, in fact, say, uh, we'll smoke them out of their caves. You're either with us or against us. You know, and Didactic McCain. statements uh, from, you know, the leader of our country. Oh, the media... Give him that. But Howard Dean, leader of uh, an organization that nobody in the general public gives a rat's ass about, uh, stating a fact for some reason. Uh, this is that. It just goes back like Democrats cannot say, like, Democrats have been perceived as being the pussy party for so long that if anybody stands up and fights, if anybody says anything, 
remotely confrontational to the Republican Party, that's seen as out of line and out of character with the Democratic Party and Democratic ideals. Uh, I disagree with that. Um, I think that if we were talking about the issues, um, if you were tackling the issues today, um, trying to talk about um, where the Democratic, Democratic Party is going to lead America, I don't think that it would be controversial. The reason it's controversial is because it's just stupid. Howard Dean doesn't need to be saying these sorts of things. I mean, who cares? Fine. The Republican Party is a bunch of white Christian men. Fine. You don't need to go out there and say it. Why is that and a slur, other, though? Why well, is that all of a sudden a slur? Because Everybody knows the word Christian is a slur now. Because here's yeah. why it's stupid. Because, one, Howard Dean also noted that in that exact same speech that he is also a white Christian yeah. male. Um, but this is him taking to, the comments out of context. He went on to talk about how, well, it's not everybody in the uh, GOP. It's just, um, it's most of them. It's narrower. Was in the Democratic Party is more diverse. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but pretty much every single Democratic senator, uh, governor, congressman is affiliated with the, some type of Christian church. It's true. Are they not? So, I mean, the Democratic Party is pretty much a white Christian party as well. It's a white Christian country. <laughs> Democrats, on the other hand, in though, politics. a lot of predominant Democrats are coming out and trying to distance themselves from Howard Dean's comments. I don't think it's necessarily just this comment. I think it's a whole string of stupid comments that Howard Dean has made, really going back to the primaries uh, for the 2004 election, where he just continuously has put his foot in his mouth and said the dumbest things at the stupidest times. Um, at this point, um, well, I'll just read you a little bit of what... Dean also said in this speech, or I'm sorry, not in his speech. Um, I, in the C past. CNN, I think. He was on CNN today, I believe, trying to defend himself against this. And he said that um, the Christian issue, that the uh, Republican Party is using the Christian issue to divert away from issues that matter, such as Social Security, strong defense, and job opportunities. Well, most people in the Republican Party those are really kind of, especially Social Security and defense, those are the two big issues that they're fighting for the most. A lot of um, sort of these Christian right-type issues, such as abortion and gay marriage, most people in the Republican Party don't even pay attention to those issues. They don't fight for those issues most of the time. Um, so I don't really understand what Howard Dean is trying to say well, with a lot of this. In um, the white Christian comment, he was trying to imply, not imply, he was saying, that the Democratic Party is a bigger tent. And you, and you, you agree. But according, that but according to what he later said was that he made this comment because he believes that the Republican Party is spending all of their time, wasting all their time, if you will, to try to push forth these right-wing Christian um Issues. Which you don't think that's the case, though. No, you, I don't, you don't think, think that the Republican the Party is completely beholden by the Christian right, and that in fact the Republican Party has just become the political arm I think of the kiss, Christian. Right. I think they kiss the Christian uh, right's ass, but I think that when it actually gets down, what are the big issues that Dick Cheney and George Bush? And please, I'm not trying to defend these two, but uh, my point is, is that the big issues that have defined the presidency, certainly the big issue that has defined the Bush presidency, is national security. Homeland security, 
that is where George Bush in 50 years uh, down the However, road, they're going to look back on this administration is the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, increased military spending. I think also social security reform is another major issue. While it's not really being too successful right now, that is what George Bush and Dick Cheney are really trying to push. They're not trying to push a whole bunch of right-wing Christian issues. They're not doing anything about gay marriage. Okay, every now and then they'll talk about how it's bad. <laughs> um, they're not doing anything to try to ban abortion. Again, on the campaign trail, when they're giving speeches in tiny little farm towns in bumfuck Idaho or wherever, sure, they'll talk about how terrible abortion is and how terrible gay marriage is. When it really gets down to it, they're not doing anything. They can operate on both tracks, though. They can do the uh, their homeland security pet projects, which I think, which I think are actually the diversionary tactics. But what they really care about are the social cultural issues and the corporate reform issues. I think they talk about uh, social issues as we have talked about many times before, just because they have to talk about social issues and pretend like they're doing something about social issues just to keep a very small base of the Republican Party happy so that they'll continue to vote Republican. Oil Um, is not a Christian issue. (laughs) Oil is not a Christian issue. The war in Iraq is not a Christian issue. Um, Social Security reform is not a Christian issue. These are the main issues that President Bush and Dick Cheney and most Republicans in the Senate are fighting for. I, I wouldn't say in the Senate and the House in particular. Yeah, I I would partially agree with you that Bush is primarily a corporate whore. Exactly. And Cheney also, and that they're mostly concerned with uh, rewarding their huge corporate donors. And the vehicle they use to do this is by paying lip service and oftentimes actually fulfilling promises to the Christian right. Uh, or at the but, same time, they don't do anything for the Christian right. Oh, but I would argue that the uh, the judges that like Janice Rogers Brown, which just went through, and William Pryor, which will go through, and uh, uh, Priscilla Owen, which has gone through, uh, that is a hand me out to the conservative right, because these are all socially conservative judges. They have openly campaigned against uh, civil liberties. They've openly campaigned against uh, the right to privacy i.e. abortion, Uh, that is the uh, Trojan horse that's being used to assault abortion is the right to privacy since the... uh, Yeah, but there's really no threat in this country that uh, Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned at any time. (laughs) I I really wonder sometimes, uh, especially based on the judges that are slipping through, However, going back to Dean's statements, well, which are which are again taken completely out of context let, and have not been viewed in their entirety, because he he isn't just attacking them, uh, the Republican Party for being, and he wasn't even attacking them for being uh, white and Christian, because he himself admitted that he is white and Christian, and that uh, much of the Democratic Party is white and Christian. He's just saying that the Republican Party is virtually all white and Christian, and that the base of the party is a fomenting conservative right Christian base. And I think that the reason that, again, that I, I really don't understand why Dean's comments have uh, been so scandalous compared to, you know, people like Bill Frist, who said that AIDS can be contracted through tears. Because white Christians don't. And, and, and Rick AIDS. Santorum saying that uh, homosexuality is on par with bestiality and incest. 
these people like oh you know the media just kind of wings and oh those crazy republicans but if the democrats actually say something actually stand up for something that they believe in and, yeah, and, but this isn't standing up for something that they believe in. This is Howard Dean running his mouth. No, no. If, if Howard Dean stood up and I, well, if, if any Democrat stood up and said, well, you know, I think the war in Iraq is wrong and here's what I'm going to do to, to try to, you know, fight against it or here's how I believe that Social Security should be reformed. Here's what the Democratic Party is going to do to fight for those reforms. Then there isn't controversy. But when you make sort of these just stupid little comments, and here's kind of where my problem lies with Howard Dean. He knows that just any, pretty much anything that he says is going to be taken out of context from the media, especially the right-wing media. He knows that he has a target on his back, uh, but yet he continues to go out publicly and make these comments. When he makes these comments, as I had stated earlier, the... um, Right-wing media will be all over him, plus the liberal media seems to be all over him as well, and it makes the Democratic Party look bad. It's a perception. I disagree. It's a perception issue. But why? And but what? Of, what are Democrats perceived motive- as? They're perceived as losers. They're perceived as being spineless. They're perceived as not having a message, and that's why they're the minority party but in all Howard three Dean branches not, of the government Howard right Dean now. Howard Dean is not coming out and putting forth a any sort of democratic issues. Well, he, he is, he is, but the media is of course taking him out of context. As he was saying that these Christian issues divert away from issues such as social security, defense, uh, strong national defense and job opportunities. Why doesn't Howard Dean go out there and specifically he talk is. about these issues? He is, and do... No, he's not. He is. That, the, the only thing that's being covered though, are those quotes, which he was using to make a larger point. However, uh, on top of, I, I think he's, well, he's just right on these, these statements, most of them. Uh, but beside that, well, there, there is, right there is, a, is not, no, 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 there, there is a political strategy to this because the primary function of the head of both the RNC and the DNC, the national committees, is to raise money. And the best way to raise money is to fire up your base. And who better to fire up the Democratic liberal wing of the party, the grassroots base, who give money? Who better than Howard Dean? And Howard Dean, he F- throws F- red meat rhetoric. Yeah, uh, he he uses uh, arguments that the proper DC society has their heads uh, far way too far up their ass to make. Uh, Howard Dean is a fighter. He stands up for what he believes in. And for some reason, because he seems to be the only one fighting uh, out there, he seems to be the only one who who speaks in blunt sentences and, and speaks in a language that isn't. Uh, Washington DC based for some reason he's being attacked for not being polite and meanwhile you know people are arguing well he shouldn't say that because the Democrats are in the minority well yeah that that's the reason the Democrats are in the minority is because they have not been able to formulate a coherent message they have not been able to fight for what they believe in and I think Howard Dean is the guy who is crafting a message and uh, is actually working with the base in all 50 states uh, to rebuild the Democratic Party. And I think that these comments are just a sideshow and that because President Bush's numbers are tanking right now on his pet issues, like you were talking about, uh, like the majority of people now believe that he is not strong on national defense and a uh, whopping majority thinks that he's a failure on Social Security reform. The Republicans need a whipping boy, and they would have gone to Howard Dean anyway. They have been going to Howard Dean in the past, so he might as well use this freedom he has 
as being the outrageous Democrat to go ahead and say the things that I think need to be said. And in that process of telling like the what truth— what needs to be said, that the Republicans are a bunch of white Christian males? No, the fact that they have been overrun by— the conservative Christian wing of the party and that the Republican Party is just the political wing of people like James Dobson and Jerry Falwell. And uh, he should be attacking Tom DeLay. Everyone should be attacking Tom DeLay. Well, it's it's within, a crime that Tom DeLay is still the head of his party in the House. Republican Party are criticizing Tom DeLay, but that's not the issue. It should be. But I mean, uh, just from, okay, just from a purely political standpoint, Tom DeLay is going to be the issue that a lot of Democrats run on in local House races tying Tom DeLay's ethics problems to other Republicans in the House. And you already see evidence of this. And Howard Dean is uh, a primary architect of this strategy. So he's, you know, trying to drum up the message for the Democrats. Let me um, read some reactions from some Democrats uh, to this. Um, (laughs) Because once again, a lot of uh, Democrats are saying that they're trying to distance themselves um, from Howard Dean's comments. I believe they're just trying to distance themselves from Howard Dean. Um, once again, Howard Dean, and I can't emphasize this more, Howard Dean has a lot of issues that I agree with, but with him, it is a perception issue. The media has essentially destroyed Howard Dean, okay? And I don't think that it's really even worth discussing why they attacked Howard Dean, the motivation behind it, but they have destroyed Howard Dean. They have made him out to be a liberal nutcase. And I think that especially a lot of more moderate, I would say moderate Christian voters who might vote Democratic, who would vote Democratic, um, if there was a more moderate Democratic leader, um, these sorts of people are very turned off by Howard Dean, and they're very turned off by Howard Dean's comments. So I think that a lot of the um, Demo- I think a lot of Democrats that are trying to distance themselves from these comments, they're not just trying to distance themselves from the comments per se, but just from Howard Dean. I think they want to see somebody else at the head of the Democratic Party who is going to drive the Democratic Party in a more moderate direction, much like it was during the Clinton administration. But let me just read some of these reactions. Nancy uh, Pelosi, who is not really the most moderate Democrat <laughs> in the world, let's just admit. Um, her reaction was, I don't think that those sorts of comments were helpful to the party. Pussy. Okay. Bill Richardson. Pussy. <laughs> Bill Richardson said, Howard Dean is not a Democratic Party spokesman. Biden. Real big pussy. Biden, who Dripping pussy. I think would be a terrible candidate wonderful terrible candidate that guy if you thought john Kerry had problems articulating a uh, coherent national strategy have you ever listened to joe biden speak yes i like that guy is so entrenched in senate ease speak if you want to hear what he had to say about i've heard but go ahead for our listeners he said um he howard dean has views that are slightly different than mine this sort of rhetoric is counterproductive, and I couldn't agree more. Well, uh, again— And it is counterproductive because, once again, Howard Dean should be smart enough to realize that when he opens his mouth and makes stupid comments, that everybody is going to criticize him for this, that they're going to blow it out of context, and at the same time, making the Democratic Party look stupid, silly, and weak. 
they are stupid, silly, and weak, though. And that's why long before Howard Dean came around, they were relegated to the political woods because they could not stand up to the Republican machine. And uh, I think that the only people who really care about Howard Dean's comments are the spineless Democrats, like Joe Biden, like Joe Lieberman, and uh, CNN for some reason. And I think that the average voter really they're not paying attention, just like they didn't pay attention to the filibuster argument. I saw a poll that only 60%, uh, excuse me, only about 30% of Americans knew what a filibuster was and understood what the argument in the Senate was over this. And I think, again, this is just inside DC uh, groupthink that think that Howard Dean's being so scandalous. But the only thing that, that the insiders in Washington should be caring about is the fact that Howard Dean is raising record amounts of money for them right now. Howard Dean has raised more money in an off-election year, off year as the DNC head than anyone else in Democratic National Committee history. And that is why, like, even though they might bitch and moan about him a little bit in public, they always, and if you read those quotes further from those Democratic leaders, they would say, but, you know, Howard's doing a great job. I disagree with some of what he's saying, and we agree with him on well, most of issues. Well, but they have to say that, though. I don't see why they should, though. This Democratic infighting is just not good for the party, and the Demo- it's the reason why they keep losing is because they're, they're seen as weak. They're seen as bickering. They're seen as Washington insiders. Well, uh, they are and that, seen that's, as that's why Senate Republicans, who are apparently not Washington insiders, can label— <laughs> Uh, the Democrats as being Washington insiders, why George Bush was able to run as an outsider, even though his dad was head of the CIA, vice president, and then president. But one of the because reasons- Democrats are uh, bogged down in the morass of uh, Washington infighting. Well, but the Democrats can't figure out what they stand for, and Howard Dean doesn't help that at all. Because I think the only way that the Democrats are going to uh, win back seats in the House and the Senate in 2006. I think the only way that they're going to win the presidency in 2008, which I think is a long shot at this point, um, is if they go moderate. They have to. That they have lost to go in the last election. That lost in the last election. But, but it won them. But it won them countless elections. Well, it won. It won them in the 90s. Clinton was able to win. Because he was a moderate, but I think that we also have to go back even further than that to the 80s and even in the 70s when the Democrats had control of the House and the Senate. They ran on a more moderate platform. The Democrats right now are pushing left. Howard Dean is part of the reason why they are pushing left. And they're not going to win any kind of popular election if they continue to push that way. Howard Dean is not a liberal, though. Just because Howard Dean vociferously opposes idiotic policies like the war in Iraq and opposes the Social Security reform, that doesn't make him a liberal. And in fact, I think that, and they're working on it, and Howard Dean is working on it, and they're working on language to craft for local elections. They're working on ways to reframe the issues, to make them common sense issues, and to portray the Republicans as being the freaky deaky out of the mainstream party, whereas, you know, Republicans have been trying to make Democrats out of the mainstream, which is the farthest thing from the truth. If you ask any liberal activist, they'd be sorely disappointed with the Democratic Party right now. But uh, Howard Dean is not a liberal howling at the moon, even though he does occasionally howl. Uh, Oh, he howls. (laughs) That's mostly the roid rage. Uh, But I think Howard Dean is behind the scenes crafting a winning message 
for the Democrats. And remember, Howard Dean's not running for president. Howard Dean is not running well, for any seats. He says he's not running for president. Howard Dean will never get the uh, nomination. Uh, well, I, I am sad to say, but that's the that's the the fact of it. Uh, but Howard Dean will, in the long run, be a benefit to his party, in my opinion. He will benefit the party in the sense that he will raise a lot of money for the Democratic Party. You're absolutely right, Gavin. He is doing that. Uh, but again, I just don't. And again, I, I agree with a lot of Howard Dean's issues. I know I've said that several <laughs> times during this, but it just. He does not. The only. Well, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> it's a perce- I mean, I know I just cannon. keep repeating myself, but it is it's it's a perception issue. And as long as Ho- Howard Dean is at the head of the Democratic Party, it is not the Democratic Party is not going to be able to connect with mainstream America. They're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> well, and they're not doing it right now. Mainstream Americans have no idea who the head of the parties yeah. are. Yeah. Until Howard Dean, I think everybody virtually knows who nobody Dean knew is. who the And everybody the knows that were. Howard Dean is the head of the Democratic they Party. They do now, but they never did before. <laughs> yes. So at least there's some interest. <clears throat> That's true. And, you know, uh, as polarizing as he might be, uh, his positive ratings are about on par with his negative ratings in the country. However, he is adored by the Democratic base. And I think... That is the strategy which wins, and that's the strategy that the Republicans yeah, use. The, Democratic the Republicans base. use the strategy of firing up their base, their religious conservative base, to get out the vote and uh, to just uh, that, fire people up. And that's fine. And he, and Howard appeals, taking the same he appeals to the base. But the Democratic base is maybe 20% of the population, much like the Republican base is about 20% of the population. It's all those people in between that you have to fire up and get to come out and vote for your party candidate. Howard Dean might be able to rile the base up. He may be the most popular person in Democratic history as far as the base <laughs> goes. I don't know. But the, the point is, is it just because you are popular with a base doesn't mean that you're popular with the rest of the American population. And it certainly doesn't mean that you're popular with uh, moderate Republicans who might consider voting Democratic in 2006 and 2008, depending on what George Bush does. <laughs> but again, uh, Howard Dean won't be running for president, just as uh, people like Karl Rove and Grover Norquist, who whipped up and fomented the religious base on the Republican side, uh, they weren't running for president, and Howard Dean will not be running for president. So, Well, I don't know about that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think yeah. that he's... He says he's not going to run in well, 2008, he but he can't. I mean, he's—I I believe he's contractually obligated to head the DNC. I thought he just until said after that the he election wasn't. But well, I, I mean, even if he did go back, he'd be going back on his word, and he'd be labeled a traitor and a liar and blah blah blah. But I mean, I think we all know that uh, Hillary is probably going to get the nomination in 08 anyway. So that could but, be a disaster. But that is conjecture for another. It depends on who the Republicans put up. Uh, but. Man, we've been frothing at the mouth about Dean for a while. Um, just a little quick, uh, speaking of uh, Bush's uh, corporate whoring and uh, the people that he actually serves, a uh, funny little story appeared in the New York Times last week. Apparently, <laughs> Philip Cooney, chief of staff of the White House Council on Environmental Quality, changed descriptions of climate research approved by government scientists 
these are basically think tanks which help to craft Bush's policy on global warming. Uh, Philip Cooney, who is the head of one of these think tanks within the Bush administration, surprise, surprise, was a lawyer and former lobbyist with the American Petroleum Institute. Aw. I know. <laughs> Makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? But, uh, yeah, this guy who was basically redacting large chunks of scientific data regarding global warming uh, was... <laughs> adding words like significant and fundamental before the word uncertainties and was in fact just crossing out entire sections regarding uh, glacier melting and Arctic warming. But uh, this is another great example of, you know, the media pouncing on Howard Dean for some reason for, you know, stating the obvious. However, this story comes out uh, saying that the Bush administration is essentially letting corporations and lobbyists write their policy on the environment and a whole host of other issues. And, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's a totally I, different thing. I, know, I mean, I, come on. I know. <laughs> well, President Bush's environmental record has been just a train wreck, to say the least. But his um, policies have such pretty names. <laughs> like the, cle- like the, the Yeah, the Clear Skies Initiative and the Healthy Forest Initiatives. I'm just real quickly going to go over some of Bush's environmental um, disasters, I guess <laughs> is the best way to put it. Exxons, if you will. He'd prefer you call it Imagineering. Imagineering, okay. <laughs> um, well, yeah, as you mentioned, with uh, global warming, he reversed his 2000 uh, campaign pledge uh, to reduce industrial carbon dinox- uh, dioxide um, emissions. He withdrew from the Kyoto Treaty. Mm-hmm. Which I believe that by withdrawing from the Kyoto Treaty, I believe the United States now joins like China and North Korea and Libya yeah. and Syria and countries like that. Keeping good Other company. countries that have withdrawn yeah. or never signed the Kyoto Treaty. So it's good to see that we are in company with those type of assholes. <laughs> kind of um, like how we're in a good company with uh, Saudi Arabia and I exactly. believe Somalia and executing miners. <laughs> exactly. Well, the um, miners won't have to live to choke to death on pollution, at least. Precisely. He's limited environmental reviews and public appeals to protecting national forests. Here's my favorite. Uh, for endangered species. Um, the ability to get new species on the endangered species list to protect them, he believes that that should be limited. They have to perform two miracles and be dead for five years. So, he wants to limit the amount of species. Unless they taste good with A1 steak sauce, I will not allow them onto the endangered species list. So it's been horrible. Yeah. Horrible environmental policies. And it's you if the Democrats could theoretically make an entire make their whole campaign in 2008 about the environment. Nah. Um, I just wish that more people cared about the environment, that it would be a salient issue. However, I, again, much like filibustering and much like uh, Howard Dean, <laughs> I don't think the public cares. It's hard quit. to care about the environment when you're cutting somebody off in your Hummer. Yeah, very true. You're too busy on your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the disastrous Bush policies rear their ugly head again. But 
Uh, it's uh, it's almost too depressing to think about. Uh, and Howard Dean's going to lead us through yes. this. Yes, knight in shining armor. Bring George Bush down and bring the Democratic Party <laughs> back up to par. They will find out next year. Uh, midterm elections, baby. But I don't even know how long we've been talking. I'm sure the listening We've probably audience. Probably been talking long enough. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. I, we won't bore you anymore, podcasting audience. But we'll save the Aldridge for an e- another episode because I think we've more than filled up our self-imposed allotment. But do we have anything that doesn't suck this week? Because, boy, there's been a lot of sucking that we've been bemoaning <laughs> in the past fifty minutes or so. Uh, do you have anything that doesn't suck this week, Aaron? Well, I know we've mentioned this on Things That Don't Suck before, but Deadwood. Yeah. I've been, I've been renting all of uh, season one. Of yeah. Deadwood, and it is, uh, it's great. It's a cocksucking good time. It's great, you <laughs> cocksucker. <laughs> you mother cocksucking fucker. I love how they use cocksucker as an added syllable sometimes. Exactly. Uncocksucking believable. The duo jazz hands. And uh, Ian McShane playing Al Swearingen, the foul-mouthed and murderous saloon owner. My Emmy favorite, winning. My favorite character of the Great show, character. by the way. Good yeah, character. fantastic character. Yes. I mean, I really identify with a man who owns a whorehouse and saloon <laughs> and kills and murders his um, competitors. And That's why you have those pigs in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, woo's and pigs. Then, <laughs> and then, I forgot about that, feeds the dead bodies to his <laughs> pigs. To keep them alive. Oh, you alive. haven't even gotten to season two where he carries on dialogues with an Indian's head that he keeps in a box. It's great. It's fantastic. It's interesting. Great. Yeah, but you'll get to that when the DVDs come out. Well, I've seen a couple of episodes from season two. I saw the one with the thing and the guy's dick to pass kidney stones. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's a good one. Let's not spoil it for people that haven't oh, seen okay. season two. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I'm being the, a... The cliffhanger involving a man's genitalia and stones I, lodged within... Tune yes. in next week. Sorry, I'm being a cocksucker. So. <laughs> Anna, anything that don't suck? I'm probably saying this because I'm starving right now, but uh, <laughs> Amy's brand frozen dinners are delicious. That's true. Oh, yes. Those are good. Cheap, too. Not really. No. I, th- I, think you're thinking, I think you're the- thinking of a hungry man. Oh. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are the sort of uh, fancy vegetarian ones. Oh, vegetarian. They're not all vegetarian, but they're delicious. They are very good. Yes. I yeah. like to say that Red meat doesn't suck. I you already had one. <laughs> all these veget- Vermont Street barbecue. Have you eaten Vermont Street yet? Oh yes. That's oh, delicious. All these all these delicious. hippies. All these hippies out there that talk about how they're vegetarians. You you're just you're missing out. <laughs> Have I said dig in prior weeks as something that doesn't yeah, suck? Yeah, I think you did. Did I? Well, a documentary called Dig details the. Uh, career paths of the Brian Jonestown Massacre and the Dandy Warhols, a couple of bands it. from Oregon. Great film. Uh, Vermont Street Barbecue, as I mentioned, certainly does not suck. In my opinion, the best barbecue in town, and possibly, and though I'm certainly not an expert on it, possibly even better than any barbecue in Kansas City. Ooh, them, them's fighting. That's, lofty, that's a lofty statement, I know, but uh, <laughs> from what I've experienced, Vermont Street hasn't beat maybe we could get a fancy endorsement deal or we get a slab of ribs every week oh i know it doesn't suck i know something new that doesn't suck uh mcclough has an annual barbecue festival that you already missed yes that you already missed but next year next year uh look forward to it we visited it last weekend it's an entire like mile long stretch of barbecue vendors and competitors 
God, it's for really dramatic good. effect. But they have free samples. Like you can want like fifty vendors. Like they have free samples of sausage and brisket out. It's it's just a, a wonderland of heart disease. And they have Christian bikers there too. And Christian bikers, yes. I've seen a Christian biker game before. Watch Texas. out for those guys. <laughs> they no. will slash Hardcore. you on one cheek, then they will slash the other. Hardcore badasses, those guys. That's right. Because uh, if you don't believe in the Lord, they will stab your ass. Well, it's kind of a cop out because you know they can draw and cord you with their Harleys and then just you know say a prayer and a few rosaries and oh they're forgiven. They're forgiven. <laughs> but so, I'm so assuming kind of that they're probably killing a non-believer, so it's God's will. Tell it to Howard Dean. <laughs> that would be a fight. I'd like to see Howard Dean in like a uh, grudge match fight, like like a every oh, which way, like an every which way but loose fight where the Clint Eastwood chip. instead of a chimp, Howard Dean would be the orangutan, and it could be a, a wacky '70s style hijinks in a bar, bottle smashing, good time. But uh, you have been listening to Punditocracy, and we've been meandering so. But uh, we will leave you, our listening audience, to blissful silence. Again, I I have been Gavin. <laughs> I'm Aaron. And I'm Anna. And you can email us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com, or you can visit our website, punditocracy.net. Until next week, you have been listening to Punditocracy. Good evening. <laughs>